um, I want to talk really quick about um, fasting. Uh, I want to just encourage you because this is a church uh, event. Um, this is not something just uh, myself and my wife are going to do by ourselves and you guys just sit around and do whatever. We're doing this together. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about, hey, it's, you know, go alongside those that are hurting. We're going to help each other through this because this should be a time of challenge, okay? This, the next three weeks for you shouldn't be a cakewalk or easy, else it's not, you're not producing what God wants, okay? The, the point of the fast, guys, is to spend more time with Jesus, right? The point of fasting is not not eating. The point of fasting is what you would normally do when you're eating is to take that time and spend it with God, because Jesus said when he was fasting, actually, uh, every word that comes out of your mouth, God, is my food. And so he was spending time with the Father in that fasting time. Fasting gives us a more uh, detailed look at who God is, helps us grow, um, it challenges us. So I want to challenge you over the next three weeks to fast something that takes your time away from God. If you're not spending regular time with God, then this would be a perfect time to go, okay, what's hindering me from spending time? Is it too much TV? Is it too much social media? Um, am, am I not managing, just like Mark talked about not managing money, a lot of us need help managing our time because we can go through the whole day and all of a sudden we've done all this time and we're like, man, I haven't even spent two minutes with Jesus. And so the point of this fast as a church is that we would all get our eyes deeply, intensely focused on Christ and what he's calling us to <coughs> this year. What changes, where he wants to take us this year. And so a fast is that simply where we're saying no to the flesh. Now, not me speaking, but my spirit, the real me speaking, right? My spirit man is saying to my flesh, you're not eating that burger. And my body's screaming out, cheese, bacon, <laughs> bread. And my spirit man saying, yeah, that's good stuff, and maybe later, but for now, for a specific period of time, you're going to say no to that, so your, your body, your flesh, gets used to who's in charge. Because can't we kind of raise our hand and all say that a lot of times our flesh seems to rule the house, you know? I mean, if, is, is anyone, has anyone fasted at least one day in their life? Raise your hand if you fasted. Okay, so there's been quite a few. So if you fasted, you know the first day you fasted, by the time... I don't know, for me, maybe 9.30 or 10, you're just going, I'm starving, <laughs> you know? On a normal day, you might not be hungry till noon, but at some point during the day, that first day, you're just like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. Has anyone been there or is that just me? Or any, anyone get a headache for the first day? Like, oh man, no coffee, what the, what's going on here? So the point is, is that we're so quickly reminded that how quickly and weak and needy our flesh is. And that's the, one of the lessons in fasting is that we learn that we cannot rely on the flesh. We have to rely on the spirit. God is spirit and those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Our flesh is not the source. Food is not your source. We think, well, you have to. No, you really don't. God's word, spoken word, it gives you life. God can sustain you for the rest of your life. By just him. <clears throat> He's that full. Are you with me? So I want, I want to challenge you. I know it's not the funnest subject, but, you know, if it was easy 
to walk with Jesus and to walk in faith and to see people healed when you pray for them, to see people, to, to come up against a demonic being and have the authority to cast that demon out when that arose. If that was easy, everyone would do it. If it was easy to have the abundant life and see God's blessings in our life, because God does want to bless us. Remember we talked about money is not evil. It's the, the love of money that's evil. So God wants to bless you not so that you have stuff, but so that you can be a blessing. That's why God wants to bless you. Okay? And so, but to walk in that, if that was easy, <coughs> wouldn't our church would be filled right now, right? If it was easy to convince people that Jesus is the only way, wouldn't our, wouldn't our chairs be full right now? Yeah. Wouldn't we be running two, three services and be looking to take over that building, right? Yeah. Are, isn't that the case? Like, if it was that easy and there was no discipline necessary, there was no hard times to go through. Remember, when Jesus was here, um, they didn't fast a whole lot. When Jesus was here and they, the, the Pharisees, they asked, well, why aren't your guys fasting right now? He's like, hey, when the... When the groom's with you, you're not fasting, but there's coming a day when I'm leaving, and oh yeah, they're going to fast then. Why? Because in that time, um, and then the time where we're waiting for Christ to return, which we are living in now, we need to be in a, a constant uh, uh, prayer and fasting to keep our, uh, our alerts and our focuses on spiritual matters and not earthly matters. Aren't you with me? Isn't it easy, especially after the season we went through, to get kind of caught up in Oh, a new, something new. Come on, you all get the endorphins when you get something brand new. You buy the new computer or the new, the new uh, uh, phone or something, and you just get all excited, right? I'm telling you guys, it is a discipline to keep your eyes focused on the fact that you don't, are not going to live here. This earth suit is not your home. Are you with me? I'm hoping this is penetrating your spirits because... It is not easy to stay in the status. Our natural default uh, setting in our computer, our body, is to default back towards flesh rules. The flesh wants, flesh gets. I'm hungry, food, ice cream. Come on, we, can, <laughs> we just, we, ordered, we did dine, uh, what was it called? The dining? DoorDash. You can order food on your phone, have it delivered to your door, free, so, because they're trying to get it going, so it's all, a lot of it's free, and it's like, oh my gosh, you can order, it's just crazy how funny uh, our society is, and, it, and things are so readily available, we think, oh man, some of us struggle with, you know, money, we're the richest nation ever, come on, and we still that way, there's food galore, I mean, we could just throw ourselves into food, but the, the, the way to focus on God and to keep that focus during the year takes discipline, it takes a choice of your will, and it takes a beating down. Remember Paul said, I beat down my flesh. I crucify the flesh daily. Why did he say that? Because you can't just try it once and then live and, and expect to stay in that mode. You've got to keep yourself in that mode because our flesh wants to go back to that. Are you with me? So anyway, we're fasting. Challenge yourself to do something that you've never done. Okay? You've never fasted a day, fast a day. Um, do fast a lunch, do a, whatever you need, fast social media, whatever that is, let the Holy Spirit challenge you to do that and enter into this exciting, fun time with us and join us for worship on Wednesdays. It's going to be a good time. Amen? Yeah. All right, you guys ready to get in the Word? Yeah. So as I was praying and seeking God and asking Him, okay, God, what do, you, what do you want to say today or even for this new year and thinking about uh, our church, the rivers, 
and what he has for us in 2018. Because I don't know about you, but I'm, I loved, there's great parts of 2017, but I'm really excited for what the future holds. I'm excited about my tomorrow. I'm excited about today, living full, everything I got for today, but I'm, I'm anticipating and excited about what God's going to do because the future with God is always great. We know our, our future is Christ coming back and King. So we, our future is bright, but I'm excited about what God's going to do. So I was, I was just kind of praying and asking, and that's kind of going back and forth on some stuff to talk about. But um, I came across um, some old notes that I, 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 I've preached this so many, a lot of times. And I came across them, and I've been praying about, remember I asked you to pray for a, a focus for you, for a word in, in, in our church, and I was praying for our church as a whole, like, what's going to be, is there one word that could sum up for the rivers for 2018, what we're going to try and walk in, what we're going to try and make our focus on this year? And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want my, I want my church, this local body, I want my church to walk in faith this year. I want my church to step out in a, a newness in walking in faith. I want my church to know what that means. I want my church to know where they're missing it on how they're looking at what faith is and is not. I want my church to walk in power, right? Faith, that requires faith. To walk in the things of God, to do the things that Christ did. I want the rivers to begin to walk in faith, not based on the things they see, not based on the things in the past, but based on God's word. And the power of God's word. I want my church to walk in that. And so as I was reviewing and looking at these, uh, my notes, and I thought, man, this is critical. And that's why I wanted you to take notes. There's, we're going to look at five principles to um, what faith is. And I entitled on the top, you can see there, that it's entitled Faith Entering the, into the Rest of God. So it's the rest of God that really faith is about. And we're going to see more of that as we go along. But I want to start out by saying, and, and the first one on your notes is this. Eight, is to know his goodness. I want you to write goodness, and I want you to look at that word and think about it, because really, in order to walk in faith, guys, in 2018, you have to know God is good. Remember the song we sang? God is good, 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 oh. Over and over. Why do we sing that over and over? Because our minds don't really believe that. We've got to renew our minds and our thinking to really believe that God is good. And that he has good for us. That, so, so if we know God is good, and that's part of his character, then we can actually know, uh, we can see a pattern with God. And we can start trusting that. Because if you know someone's character, you know what they're going to be doing, right? So based, that's why in a job reference, you get character references, right? So if, I, if, if I'm hiring someone, and I don't know you from Adam... And someone, and I have five people that give you a great character reference. What's that telling me? It's telling me that I can be pretty assured that this person, what their future is going to look like, right? Or what they'll be doing. It tells me that based on their character, out of that's going to come good things, right? Bad character, bad tree, bad fruit, good tree, good fruit. So based on character, you can tell a lot about a person, right? And you can kind of predict what, how they'll view things and how they'll see things, right? Those of you that are married, you know your wife or your husband's character, so you know how they're going to respond to certain things, right? Or if you have a good friend that you've known for a while, 
You know their character, so you know during that football game when a certain team scores, you know they're going to, ah, they're going to go crazy, right? Or you might know someone that when you go on the certain, my wife knows this about me, when I'm turning onto a street and it has its own turn lane to, to speed up and to merge onto traffic, right? Are you with, this is, okay, we're going to talk about this. Okay. Yeah, do you, I don't know if you have them here in Yuba City, but we got a bunch of them in Roseville. You turn onto a major street and there's three lanes and you have a fourth mini lane to speed up and to merge into the, the three lanes. This lane here is not the main lane, right? So, right? so you, you, you turn the corner, you don't stop. You go forward, you put your blinker on, and you merge into traffic. It gives you the time, right? Keyword. You, yeah, you, you accelerate. It's the pedal on the right. Left, no. Right, yes. And so my wife, based on my character, knows that when we turn around and there's some can't say it, parked with the brake lights on, stop, 50 yards ahead of her is free lane, and she's just sitting there, or her, him, her, no, sorry, <laughs> that, that slipped out, I didn't mean that, whoever the person is, they're looking and they're waiting, and there's just, and the cars are busy, and it's, you have five minutes, more, ten, like, so you merge in, okay, thanks for bearing this, so my wife knows, she's, Calm down, honey. I was like, you don't stop. There's, that should be on the DMV test. I'm going to write a letter. <sighs> so based on character, we can know how people will act and respond, right? So if we can learn more about God's character, and remember last week what we talked about? What did we talk about last week, Christmas Eve? Hmm? You're, let's see if you're, this is reality check for me. I might be, be a sad morning. God is with us. So God is with us. And what, what do we talk about the fact that God is, what was he showing? What was he showing? That he loves us. Remember, we talked about God with us showing us what the Father was like. Remember, we talked about that Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. So when Christ came, he showed us exactly what God is like. And so we, we talked about a lot of those principles last week because if you can believe, if you know that God is for you and loves you, is on your side, then whoa, that changes a lot of things. That's going to change how you see him. But if you don't believe he's on your side, that's also going to change how you view. And listen to this, if you view God in the wrong light, you will be unable to walk in faith. You might be a Christian for a long time, but if you don't see God accurately according to his word, not your opinions, not what so-and-so preached last week, not what so-and-so and the family traditions are or the church traditions are or the church denominational traditions are, not based on those because that's not God's word. Pastors, we all get up and we're supposed to preach the word and help, uh, help us understand what God's word is, but we're not giving the truth. God's word already says the truth. We're just highlighting the truth, helping us see it in a new way that will set us free. So based on your traditions, you might believe that sickness is something that just happens and you, there's nothing God can do about it. So if your viewpoint on church tradition is that God uses sickness to teach you, right, 
If that's your viewpoint of God and his character, then you will be unable to have faith to be healed. I know this is a sensitive subject, but I, tell, I grew up in a church that was non, we had hymns only, we had an organ and a piano, we hardly ever clapped, there was no excitement about God whatsoever, and, and, and the Holy Spirit was, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit was from the devil, and healing was not even mentioned, and it was like winning the lottery if someone ever got healed. And so I've had to transform and change from my growing up traditions of what I thought was true, and I had to get into the word myself and go, well, what does God say about that? And I love my pastor growing up, he was awesome, loved him. I actually was digging through old stuff, found a letter from him um, in the 80s, mid-80s, and he wrote a personal letter and said, hey, because uh, my basketball team was really good and, uh, and we made state or whatever. And he was congratulating me and saying, hey, da-da-da. And I was like, wow, that was cool. I you know, never remembered that, but what a guy, what a great heart. But still, even though he's a great guy, that doesn't mean he interprets the word right. Okay, because those, when you go to seminaries, or cemeteries, I mean seminaries, <laughs> sometimes they, they teach off the tradition of what they learned without even, even Jesus said that. He said that to the Pharisees, guys. He said, look, you've made the word of God, the most powerful thing in the universe, of no effect because of your traditions. Guys, our traditions can kill us. Our wrong views of God can keep us from all the things that God has for us because if we're not willing to change those and see what God's character really is like, we can't have faith and belief for things because you cannot believe God for something if you don't think he wants that for you. You have, it's, that's the only evidence you can stand on. There's not, you can't stand on what you learned at church. You can only stand on what's in here. And if the preaching and teaching doesn't lead you to this, it's not good preaching and teaching. Okay? If small groups don't lead you to the word, if worship doesn't lead you to the word, I've seen worship songs that are, do not agree with God's word. Uh, yeah, right? You're like, I've seen a lot. I'm like, I'm not singing that. I am not singing that. Because what we speak out and we say, we start believing in our hearts. And I'm not going to sing or worship music that is against or off of what God's word says. So our, God's character is important. And it's important that each of us this year, going into this new year, can see God for who he is. We can see that he is good and that his see his character and pattern so that we can build our trust towards him. Traditions of man is one of the biggest faith destroyers known. Traditions of man can keep you and inhibit you from walking and experience all that God has for you. So let's look at this pattern. Let's, let's really quickly go through. We looked at some of these principles last week, so you're going to see some filter in, but we're going to go through this quickly, and then we're going to get to these five principles of faith, because I think if you write these down, meditate on these, get these in your heart, this can change the way you view God and change the way you live. So the first principle I want to talk about is uh, grace through faith. So part of one of the patterns of God that we see early on about faith is that it's grace through faith. Ephesians 2.8, we we, a lot of us know that. 
that uh, scripture, it's very common, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we can see that God's word says, talks about being saved by grace through faith. So there's a pattern that we begin to see that receiving from God requires his grace and our faith, action and belief on our part. So it's offered, God offers something to us in grace, grace, unmerited favor, something that we don't really deserve on our own, and we receive from him by faith. And in, in that principle, we learn that you must believe that the offer is good. When you receive something, you must believe that this offer is good. So these are a foundation of how he operates. That's the foundational principle that he gives in grace and we receive by faith. <clears throat> we see this pattern continue in Colossians 2. Colossians 2 says this in verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Okay? So he's giving us a pattern. Paul is talking to this church and this church began in faith. They received Christ openly by faith, but they started getting back into trying to earn and thinking that by their works, they could earn God's favor. And Paul's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. As you received the Lord Jesus in the beginning, which was by grace through faith, now walk in that. Key understanding of God's character that if you understand that your salvation was based on a gift of grace and you believe by faith in it, and that's how you received and got saved, now he says walk in that so everything else that we get and receive from God and try to walk in is going to be by grace through faith. So walk in that same manner. So by grace he gives us, by faith we receive and walk in it. <clears throat> it's the same manner when you receive uh, Jesus in your, uh, in your uh, salvation. It's a twofold gift. Remember, home in heaven, complete. By faith you received it, you're done. Now, the temporal during your life on earth is how we have to continue to walk in that pattern. We know what God's like. We know his character. And as we read God's word, we learn his character more and more. We become more confident and believing because we know what he says, right? If someone says, hey, if, the, if dad says, hey, we're going to Disneyland and so-and-so, and the kids are all excited, well, that's because they know dad's character. And when dad says something, it happens. Or vice versa, dad says it and it never happens. So they have no confidence in their dad. So when he says, hey, you can go to Disneyland, they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And a lot of us view God that way because we think, um, there was a song we sang, remember that uh, never God's never going to let us down, never going to let us down. And I was thinking in the thought of, you know, I bet there's some people here today in, in, in churchdom that think God's let me down. Several times, you know. So you're singing a song, God's never going to let me down. And then in your heart, you're not believing. You're thinking, no, he's probably going to let me down. Or he has let me down. So our view, see how our view of God can affect our ability to receive from God? Here we are entering in his presence and singing a song, and if someone was believing that, no, God's let me down, that's going to crush their whole worship experience. Because God, they think God's let them down, so that character is so important. Remember this, guys, salvation is bigger than just being saved from hell. It's not fire insurance only, guys. The word for salvation is soteria, and it means this. Deliver, health, salvation, save, saving, rescue, safety. The word's big in the Greek. It's not just a, a fire ticket out of hell. It's not just saving you from uh, eternal fire. No, it's giving you life eternal and whole at that point. 
The Hebrew word for salvation was Yeshua. That's where we get the name for Jesus, Yeshua. And it means like this, deliverance, aid, victory, prosperity. The King James translate that word in different parts in the Old Testament as deliverance, health, helping, salvation, save, saving, health, and welfare. So that one Hebrew word, Yeshua, is translated in all those ways. That's the, it's not just, oh, you're saved. No, you're saved. You have God's life given to you in all those areas. So again, this is another principle of us seeing what is God like. Are you with me? All right, stay, stay, stay tuned here. So we have, this, we have the grace thing down in our country because we've been really good on grace. You know, God's grace, and we kind of, whoa, that's really good. God, unmerited favor, right? But we can't receive by faith if we're listening to the voice of condemnation. Listen to 1 John. 1 John 3.21 says this. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive from him. So see the confidence we ask, we receive. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So, but if, we, if our hearts condemn us, we can't receive from God. So if you're trying to believe for God, like in that song, God's never going to let me down, but your mind says, oh, he's let me down, and there's an incorrect translation there for, in your heart, you can't receive because there's condemnation on what you're trying to believe for. If you're, if you're sick in body and you're trying to believe for healing and you think that you deserve the sickness, then your confidence is going to go down. You're not going to be able to believe and stand fast for that and to be healed because you know that God's maybe using the sickness to teach you a lesson. with me? It's quiet in here. Or maybe you think you're, you're, where you're at in your job or your relationship can never get better and you're, so you're stuck there and you don't, you think, you know, you're stuck and you, God has no way out and you're not trusting God for a way out and so you just stay in that same motion without ever getting free because you believe your heart's condemning you. So faith, in your next bullet point there, faith becomes less of a work and more of responding to Grace. You can put grace at the end, but faith becomes less of a work and more of a response. Faith is a response to God's grace. Faith is not an effort. Faith is not a work. It's not a toil. Faith is not something that, oh, God, give me more. I need more. I need to exercise and get better and stronger. And No, faith, true faith, is less of a work and more of just responding to God and what he's already done. So let's look more, a little more on what, how God thinks. So in the scriptures, we can see and pull out truths of God. So if you look at 2 Peter 1 and 2, we, we're going to see some evidence of how God thinks about us. So look with me in 2 Peter. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter 1. And in this beginning letter, Peter writes, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which you have been given us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
So this is a beginning letter, and in this short few verses, we can capture and pull out a few things about how God thinks about us, what he's saying, and how we can approach him. Can we learn from God's character through this scripture? Well, first of all, in the first verse, you see that grace can be multiplied. What does that mean? Grace can be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. So it's not God making more grace, but it's you receiving more. So we can learn that character from God, that when we're getting grace and peace multiplied to us from God, it's not about, hey, God, we're waiting for you. I need more grace. Give it to me. No, it's about us being able to receive more of him. See, a lot of times we get the equation wrong where we sit there and, God, give me, do, do this for me, give me more of this. We're waiting for God to do something instead of us proactively taking what is already ours. So learning how to receive more. And again, it's, or it says firstly there, after that, through the knowledge. What you know you get, church. If you don't know the word, you can't walk in faith. You can't walk in 2018 in the promises of God if you don't know what God's word says. So he says it twice in this passage that you need to know and grow in the knowledge of God because if you don't know what God says, you can't walk in what he's trying to have you walk in. Amen? So you've got to learn and know the word. Then he says, have given have given, past tense, so we're learning character about God, that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, the next verse down. God hath given. It's already done. He has given us everything we need to life, natural, and godliness, spiritual. So God has already given and provided for you all that you need for your physical life and your spiritual life. So you have to know that when you're approaching God and trying to believe for him, in him for new things this year. Then again, right after that, through the knowledge of God. Again, you have to know the word. And then the last thing I want you to notice is um, it says, again, have given exceedingly and great and precious promises. It has been done. So all the promises, you can, so a character quality about God you can learn is that every promise God gave in his word has already been given to you past tense. So in order for you to walk in faith, you have to understand the principle that God has already given you great and precious promises that are yours. So when you read through the entire Bible, if there's a verse that says something to you, if you think, so if he's talking to the Israelites, you can take that for you. That's how God's words work. This God's word is God speaking to you. It's not just a book written to these people at this time. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and training. Guys, God's word is speaking to you. So when you read this, this is God speaking to you. It's not just some ancient book that someone wrote that is to, written to a people 2,000 years ago or 5,000 years ago that don't, you don't even know them and that, those are for them. It's not just for them, it's for you. Are, are you getting that? Because if you don't believe that, you can't walk in faith. If you don't believe that when you read God's word, it's God speaking to you, and those promises are for you today, you can't walk in faith. But if you start believing and start trusting God that his word is inspired by the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, for you today, that's when you can activate and start activating your faith. Amen? Amen. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1 says, for all the promises that we just talked about are yes and Amen. So not only do we see that where it says you have been given his great and precious promises, he says in another scripture in 2 Corinthians, by the way, all those promises, the answer is yes. 
Isn't it nice to know God's promises are, he's already answered you? That's good news. That's good news to me. So we don't have to ask if the word says it's already ours. This is an interesting concept if you're walking in faith. A lot of times we, we're begging God for stuff, asking over and over again. Now, so if God's word says you can have something, you don't have to, if, if, as a parent, if you said that to your kid, you, you would if your kid, hey, can I, have a, can I have a cookie? Oh, yeah, sure, have a cookie. And they kept coming back, hey, Dad, can I have a cookie? Yeah, have the cookie. I told you I could have the cookie. Quit asking me. They came back a third time, hey, Dad, can I have a cookie? I already told you yes. Well, I just want to make sure I don't, I just want to make sure you want me to have it. Well, how many times I got to say you have it before you just do it, you know, act on the word? So obviously, operating in his word, if he already says it, part of faith is trusting that his promises are yes and amen and that we can act upon those promises and believe for them and not have to go, oh God, can I have, what does my word say? Because a lot of times we go to God in prayer and I guarantee you, if you listen, God's saying, I already told you that. Why you keep asking me for the same thing? I love you, son. Yes, and amen. Believe it, because it's not about you keep asking. You don't get something because you keep asking for it. Some people mistake that for faith. Oh, I'm just going to keep asking for the same thing over and over, and eventually God will get tired out. That has to do with prayer and being steadfast in prayer, not acting in faith. So believing God faith means you don't have to go, God, can I have this? It means, no, God, you said I could have this already. I'm believing, and I'm standing for it. That's walking and standing in faith. Luke uh, 12 gives us a last little thing we'll talk about, about the pattern of his character. It says, fear not, little flock. That's Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, because it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's God's good pleasure to give you rule and reign in his kingdom. It's God's heartbeat, his passion that you walk in faith, that you take his promises as yes and amen, that you quit asking him for stuff he's already asked for and start believing for it in faith. That's God's heart for you. He wants you to walk in that. Don't see, point C, this, I want you to get this hard. Don't be afraid to receive. Don't be afraid to receive. Some of us think it's unspiritual if we're getting blessed by God. It's not. God wants that. Don't be afraid to receive. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right? So in order to walk in faith, if you, can't, if you don't have faith, you can't please him. And if you want to walk in faith, you've got to believe that he is and that is a rewarder. And so don't be afraid to receive from God. Okay, let's look at the principle number one. I want you to get these in your heart today. So looking at uh, the five principles of faith. Number one, Faith is not knowing God has made the promise. Faith is acting on the promise God has made. Get this. This, can this will change your thinking if you can get these in your heart. Faith is not knowing God has made the promise. Faith is acting on the promises God has already known. Faith is not just saying, I know what the Bible says. Faith is acting upon what the Bible has already said for you to have, and you walking in that. Israel had the promise given to them. They knew the promise. The promised land was theirs. But to them, they did not receive it because they didn't believe for it. So knowing wasn't enough. They didn't act upon what God had said. So they had this great gift 
that they knew about up here, but they didn't act upon it. God said, go take the land. And they said, no, we can't. It's too scary and big giants in there. I can't do it. And so they, but they still knew the promise, and this was the creator talking to them, but yet they couldn't walk in faith because they knew about it, but they wouldn't act on it. And that's faith is acting on the promises of God. Deuteronomy tells us that God said this, the Lord God has given you the land to possess it. It was theirs. You know, 10 out of the 12 people gave an evil report. It was a true report but it was evil. Ten of, oh, it's too big. There's, there's grapes. There's all this stuff there. It's a beautiful land flowing with milk and honey. Awesome. Everything we need. We know God said we can have it, but there's giants. And we are like grasshoppers in their sight, basically saying they're going to crush us if we try and take the land. But you know what's interesting is that even though they spoke truth, God declared what they spoke was evil. Right, this is in your notes. When you walk in faith, you're going to be a minority. When you walk in faith, when you truly walk in faith, you're going to be in the minority. True people walking in faith has never been in the history of man a majority. So know that when you truly walk in faith, people are going to come against you and say you're doing it wrong or you're whatever. They're going to come against you. You're going to be in the minority. Listen, not, and this is your next bullet point, not acting on the promises of God is disobedience and rebellion. This is a tough one. It was, this was a tough one for me to get in my heart. And I've preached this and taught these principles a lot and I'm still working on them. But I need you to write that down. I need you to meditate on it this week. Listen, not acting on the promises of God is disobedience and rebellion. That's what God said about the children of Israel. Not just, that's not just a fancy thing I made up. God said that they were in disobedience because they didn't take the land, so they did not act on the promise of God saying, this is my land, I'm giving it to you, go take it, They did not act on it, and God said, you are being disobedient, and you're having a rebellious heart because you're not acting on my promise. That tells you where God thinks about what he says, that there's not a, like, we think, oh, God says that now I just have an option whether or not I'm going to walk in what God wants for me. No, God says it and promises it. It's our, we have to walk in that. And if we don't, we're going to be walking in rebellion and sin. So I want you to think about that and read that story um, about the promised land in Deuteronomy. You'll see it, and it's, it's pretty intense. But it'll set you free once you get that. Because now, if you take this character quality of what God's principle teaches in his word, that if we don't act on faith on God's promises, we're walking in disobedience, then we're going to start going, okay, God, well, well what am I, where am I not walking in faith? Examine my heart, God. Is there anything? Where do I need to start walking in faith? Right? Because that would be the natural response of a a child of the king. The king says, hey, I want you to check this out. Oh, yeah, where? God, show me. Teach me. All right. Principle number two. Faith is not 
trying to persuade God to act, but accepting and acting in response to what God has already done. We get this wrong quite a bit. We think faith, trusting in God, is that we're trying to persuade him to do what we want him to do. That's wrong thinking. <laughs> and it's been part of my thinking in the past, and I needed to renew my mind and get my thinking changes. Faith is not about trying to persuade God to act. Faith is truly accepting and acting in response to what God has already done, which makes faith a lot easier, in my opinion. Because in the other way, not only are you doing it wrong, because it's not going to work anyway, but here you are trying to talk God into something, and you think by just that process of trying to, oh God, I pray for this, help this person, you're, you're trying to persuade him to do these great things, that's not faith. That's disobedience and rebellion. Faith is acting on, no God, you said this in your word, I'm standing on it as a promise, I receive it now and I'm believing for it in Jesus' name. That's standing and acting upon God's word. Listen to this. Galatians 3.13 says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed you and me from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So if we're free from the curse, right? Jesus says we're free from the curse because Jesus hung on a tree. And because he hung on a tree, he became the curse for us and freed us from the results of that curse. We are free from the curse. So if you look back, this is a good exercise for you this week. Put a little note here. Read through Deuteronomy 28. Just read through 28. So Deuteronomy 28 is the blessings and the cursings of the covenant, of the law. So the Bible tells us now, now that we're free from the law because of Jesus, so that tells me I can read through the blessings and cursings and knowing that I'm free from all those curses. Right? Principle of God's word. <clears throat> so look, and I'll give you a brief description of what's in there. So part of the curse, it, what, you know what's crazy about this 28 is that there's like, I think, yeah, 10 verses or so on the blessings, and then there's like 50 verses on the curse. It's like, <laughs> whoa. But look at a converse and say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So if I'm free from the curse, I can read those 40 whatever verses and go, not one of those curses has the right to be in my life. Amen. Whoa. This will change you guys if you get into this and really think about what God wants for you. Listen to what you're free from. Deuteronomy 28, 59 through 61 talks about sickness. That's a curse. 25, verse 25 and 67 talk about oppression. Verses 29 through 31 and 42 through 44 talk about poverty. Being the head and not the tail. Being, you know, you're going you're to be the one borrowing money instead of lending. And God says, no, no, no. You'll be the lender and not the borrower. Uh, destruction, verse 45. So there is a lot of stuff in there. If you read through that, there's a lot more, but read through that and know and challenge yourself in 2018, if you want to walk in faith, and if not acting on the promises of God is disobedience or rebellion, and you've been freed from the curse of the law, we need to act on these things and start believing in faith if any of those things are evident in our life. That's what I'm doing. 
And it's a process and it's a work, but I, I want to be free from this stuff. I want to start walking in the first verses about God's blessing and favor, and I want to get in alignment with that, but if I'm not acting in faith, you don't get it, right? Because by faith, you must walk in faith if you want to be, if you want to please God. Salvation, this, this is going to be hard for some people, and I think I put this in your notes. Your bullet point other. Salvation is redemption from sin and its consequences. This is kind of, we'll spend a little time here, but salvation is redemption from sin and its consequences. Now, does that mean every when you sin or break the law while you're living here on earth, there are consequences to that, and sometimes you have to go through those consequences. But if you look at God's word holistically and you say, look, salvation is redemption from sin and consequences. Yes, Christ paid all your consequences for you on the cross. This gets pretty intense, guys, because Christians don't want to say, wait a minute, because then they think it gives them the freedom to go, well, then I, if he's paid for all of it, then I can just do whatever I want and go sin. No, 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 that's not what the word's talking about. But in your heart and mind, you have to know that when you got saved and God died for you, he just didn't die for your eternal life. He died for all your sin and all your consequences. So that voice that tells you you deserve this, that's a lie. And if you want to stand in faith, you've got to reject those thoughts like Paul tells us. Take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. We've got to reject those thoughts and say, no, no, no. God's word, when he died for me, I know I just blew it. But I repented. I'm sorry, God, and I repent from that. I turn from that thinking pattern. I move into a new light in your word, and I ask you to forgive me of that sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You're clean. And now, you can, legally, the enemy can't, he can bring it, but there's no, uh, there's no meat to it. That accusation has no footing anymore. So if you're getting the accusations of how bad you are, or you deserve this because of what you've done, that's the accuser of the brethren, basically the lawyer of hell, trying to put false arguments against you. He can say them, and you're like, well, yeah, no, I did do that act, or I did do that bad thing, and the enemy will try and convince you from their legal standpoint, you deserve, because in that case, you did deserve it when you did it. But because Christ set you free from sin and its consequence, now you can say, well, yeah, I, I did deserve that, you're right, but you're wrong in the fact that I have to pay for that. It's already been paid. So now I'm free from that. So that will help you. That concept will help you walk in faith. And this is all because Jesus has been good, not us. Got to remember that. So faith is not trying to persuade God to act or talk him into something. We, we Christians try and talk God into stuff. You ever make deals with God? Yeah. <laughs> you ever do that? Have you ever been sick and going, God, just take this away and I promise I'll start not eating all those marshmallows and candy bars at, at 11.30 at night, I promise. No one's ever done that? Man, I had my appendix um, out many years ago and, and I, I was youth pastoring and I took the kids down to um, Santa Cruz Boardwalk and, we, and I was hurting on the way down. I was like, man, stomach, I just thought, you know, whatever. But it got worse progressively. Oh, go in and go, do you remember that? Were you, you, were, super, you were super little and not even um, And so I'm, I'm sitting in the, or whatever car I took and all the kids went out, and I could just go, and I'm going to stay here. And I was just, I mean, I was getting, and I didn't know what it was. I was hurting pain. But, man, was I trying to make deals with God or what, man? <laughs> I wish, it would be kind of embarrassing, but I wish I could play the video of me in the car 
and what I was, how I was praying. God, I'll, I was making deals like, if I, I'll do this and that if you just take this away, and da, da, da. And my thinking was so wrong, but I was trying to persuade God. By, I thought that was faith, but it's not. It's accepting and acting in response to what God has already done. All right, next one. Faith, number three. Faith is not seeking a touch from God. It's you touching God. Listen to this, guys. Faith is not seeking a touch from God. It's you touching God. Seeking a touch can put the wrong idea into your head. And that's been a big thing. And I don't know your church history, but when I grew up, people are, oh, Lord, just touch me. Oh, I, I, want to t- I just want God to touch me. Well, what do you, you touch you or what do you want? What does that mean? See, what happens is that it puts the responsibility on the wrong end. You can't receive if you don't know what you want. You can't receive from God if you don't know what you're asking for. So you've got to know and reach out and touch God with what his word already says and believe for it. Because it's almost like when, you, when you're seeking just a touch from God and you don't know specifically what you're wanting, it's almost like you want a good feeling or you just want to feel good versus standing in faith and on his word. So it's not about, oh God, just do whatever, touch me, help me, uh, I just want to feel the godly goosebumps. No. Reach out and go, what do I really need? Do, do I need peace? Do I need forgiveness like we talked about? Do, do I have a broken heart and I want to get that whole? Be specific with God. Because see, it puts responsibility in the wrong end if we say, God, just touch me. You just figure it out. <laughs> figure, figure me out. Make me happy. God's like, no, no, the responsibility is mine. I'm the one that has to go, God, your word says this, and I'm going to take your word, and I'm going to believe it, because if you said it, that settles it. Your word is the most powerful thing in the universe. It's, it's held the earth together. It created the earth. It's holding the whole earth together, and everything that you say is eternal. His word never ends. What he said a million years ago is going to be good a million years later. You can, re- you can resolve on that. He's already done it, church. Faith is about touching him. Great story in Mark. Maybe you've heard it. In Mark chapter 5, remember the woman with the issue of blood? Great story, and you can learn some pretty cool things about, about God's character. It says in verse 25, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. 12 years. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better. So just picture that, guys, right now. 12 years suffering from a sickness. You spent all your money. You have no money left. You've been to every doctor specialist in the area, but you're still suffering no, no better. And it says, but rather she grew worse. Imagine that. You're getting worse. Then, 27, when she heard, say heard. heard. Say it louder, heard. heard. When she heard about Jesus. She came behind him, capital H, I am, in the crowd and touched his garment. She reached out and touched it. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was totally healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing himself that power had gone, not immediately knowing who touched her, 
But he immediately, power had gone out of himself, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? Who just touched me? <laughs> you know what's funny about this? Is what the disciples, do I have this part, this scripture? Oh yeah. But his disciples said to him, Jesus, you see the multitude in the King James I chose thronging, it's thronging you, and you say, who touched me? The word throng means people pushing in so tight to the point of suffocation. So that's a crowd so tight, so many people around him, he's going through the crowd, and there's so many people pressing in around him that it's a thronging means that intense word. It's almost, oh gosh, you're going to make me suffocate. So his disciples are like, what do you mean who touched you? There's hundreds, everyone's touching you, hello? And, and he looked around and to see her had done the thing, but the woman, he looked around. So Jesus, son of God, was looking around, God in the flesh, and didn't know who did it. Who touched me? I felt power go. This is important. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Faith is not about being touched. Faith is you reaching out, touching him. Touching him. Look, it's not about being near. How many people were thronging him? He had hundreds. Who got healed? The one who reached out and touched. Everyone was touching Jesus, but one person touched in faith. So in our, you could say, oh, it's not about, oh, I'm going to be near. To, I'm going to go to church and be near because I'm near. I'm in church, right? God's here. So if I'm in church, I'll, everything will be okay. It's not about being in church. You're not going to get healed just because you come to church. You're not going to be healed just because you read your Bible. And sing Christian songs. Listen to Caleb. That's not gonna, you're not going to get your, your healing. You're going to get healed and walk in faith because you reach out and you touch and you exercise your faith. Listen to this. This is the, the kicker for me for this section. It did not depend on Jesus' willingness or his decision. He's, he's representing God, guys. And this woman... Her healing had nothing to do, it didn't, it didn't go through the approval process. <laughs> Jesus didn't sign and say, yeah, you, got it. you can touch me on that day and you'll get healed. It wasn't even his willingness. He didn't, even have the, he didn't even have the process of making the choice to do it. Are you with me? This is teaching us God's character. And this, is, this lady, you can do the same thing. Every person in this room can have the same experience as they reach out and touch God. It's not just for her. It's for those of faith. And you can choose to be a person, woman, man of faith. But it didn't depend on Jesus' decision. It wasn't his willingness. Even though he is willing, but faith reaches beyond that. Because God made it in a principle like, hey, you believe. That's why Jesus said, ask anything and it'll be done for you. Yeah. You don't even have, like, just believe for it. It's yours. It's already done. The promised land's yours, guys. Go take it. Go act on it. It's already done. There are, but God's bigger and stronger. And just think of the experience of conquering your giants. How many in this room 
in 2018 want to conquer a giant. You can do that, and you will as you focus and you, you get these principles because you're not going to conquer the giants in your own power. You're not going to conquer the giants with your own intellect. You're not going to conquer giants in your own strength. You're only going to conquer giants in 2018 if you learn to do it God's way. And you conquer by faith. That's why I want our church to be a church of faith, walking in faith and in trust, entering into this beautiful rest. Stop working and trying to work for it and just accept and walk and believe in it. All right. Next one, faith. Number four, faith recognizes a higher reality than the natural realm, human senses, and human intellect. Faith recognizes a higher reality than the natural realm, human senses, or human intellect. We've talked a lot about spiritual warfare and the armor that we'll continue later, but some of these verses <coughs> that you've heard, I want you to hear again. 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we do not look at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do you see? We, we don't, faith recognizes that higher reality. Faith does not look into our reality and say, this is it. This is not. The higher reality, the spiritual realm is first. We are a product of that. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Ephesians 6, which we've read a lot here, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3 says, for, we walk in, uh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Remember that in 2 Peter. We're growing in the knowledge. So it says that here, it says that every lofty thing that rises up against the knowledge. So we have that warfare. The enemy's trying to convince you that the promised land isn't yours or you don't deserve it. But we're taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Faith does not say an issue does not exist, it chooses a higher truth. You're going to need this when you're fighting sickness and disease. Because if you walk in faith, which I said, remember, you'll be a minority. When you walk in faith and you're trying to believe in faith and you're saying, I'm healed, but yet someone can still see that you're not in the physical, oh, you're a, weird, you're a wacko. No. Faith, what did we just say? Faith recognizes a higher reality. Faith doesn't say that the issue isn't existing. Faith looks at a higher realm than what we look at. It chooses a higher truth. Because there's more to this world than what you see. This is not it, guys. A great story in 2 Kings 6. Elisha. Remember Elisha, great prophet of God. He was in the city of Dothan and he was surrounded by a massive army. They wanted to kill him and take him out. And we pick it up in 14. It says, therefore, he sent horses and chariots and, this, and a great army there to Dothan. And they came by night and surrounded the city where Elisha was in. 
And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. So Elisha's servant had gone out early. And the servant came back to him and said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he's in the fortress city, and all around the city, and all the hills were chariots and warriors, and they had, they had nothing. No one. And so the servant of Elisha's like, Master, what are we going to do? This basically saying, Let's, that's it, we're done. <clears throat> Verse 16, Elisha answers and says, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. He's looking at you on crack, man. There ain't no one out there. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he can really see. Because he could see, but he couldn't really see. He couldn't see into that higher reality. He couldn't see into that spiritual realm. And the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So check this out, church. Whatever God will do for Elijah, he'll do for you. I know some of you, that's hard to believe. But God loves you and me the same. He doesn't, he doesn't love Elisha more than you and me. He loves us all, and he's waiting for us to walk in faith, but we've got to trust and believe. We've got to believe that God is for us. Church, you need to believe, and that's your bullet point, against what you see. Because what you see in the natural will oftentimes get you off track from what God has for you. And you cannot trust that. Elisha, if he were to trusted what he seen with his physical eyes, he would have just given up and been killed. But he chose by faith to look to a higher reality and he had faith to say, pray and open his eyes, and they saw. I don't think Elisha really saw it in the physical. I think Elisha believed it and knew it by faith because of what God had said. And I'll, and I'll show you. The Psalms were already written, and Elisha had written, read the Psalms. Okay, So check out what Elisha had faith for. Did Elisha have faith just because he knew he was a good buddy with God? No. He knew he had faith in the favor of God because of what God's word declared. Psalms 118 says this, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? So Elisha knew this word of God and was standing in faith on it. But there's more. Psalms 3.6 says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against all around me. How many people were around him? Thousands. But the word said, I will not be afraid. Psalms 27.3 says, Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Psalm 68.17 The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. Elijah knew that the chariots of God Numbered in the hundreds of millions. Said Psalms. The Spirit of God spoke divinely through David, and David said in Psalm 68, 17, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousand thousands, which means 20, which means 20 thousands times thousands times thousands. Big number. Yeah. <laughs> so Elijah 
was not just because he was a special prophet, knew God liked him. He read and meditated on his word and be, was believing God's word in faith and not looking to what he saw, but believing God and looking to a higher reality, the true reality, and where it all has to happen first. Psalms 91, for he shall give his angels charge over you. God, Elijah knew, I don't care what's around me, I don't care what my eyes see, I know God's angels will come down and do the work for me. I believe it. So Elijah was exercising faith, just like you and me have to exercise faith against the armies around us. And there may not today be armies in our land, but spiritually we have a lot of armies of poverty and sickness and disease and broken relationships and a broken value system that we need to stand up against and bring God's truth in. Church, God's word is true no matter what you see. I want you to take that to heart this week and think about it. God's word is true no matter what you see. Faith sees it fulfilled before you see it happen. Faith sees the promises of God fulfilled before you actually see it happen. That's faith. Faith is recognizing a higher reality than the natural realm. And then lastly, closing, Gary, can you come up on the keys or something or piano or whatever? Faith is not a struggle to overcome. Faith is a rest. You see, faith is less of a work and more of a response because faith is truly entering into God's rest. Faith is not, faith is not something that you have to work up to and get. It's about believing and just resting in the fact that God has already finished the work for you. God is a faith, he's faithful to his promises. Faith is the rest knowing that the battle is not yours. Faith is entering rest by seeing it through God's eyes. Faith is about seeing your situation through the perspective and eyes of God. And by doing that, that will bring a rest and a calmness to your soul because when you're not calm and at peace, you're anxious and worried because you're not resting in faith. And faith is a rest because you know God's already done it. He's, he's gone tomorrow before you. He's already done 2018, guys. He knows what's coming your way. You don't have to worry or be anxious, but just trust and believe and have faith and be in that rest. Faith, your last bullet point. Faith is rest in the knowledge that God has already moved. In your situation, guys, God has already moved. Faith is believing that God has already moved on your behalf. He's already done. Every promise of God is yes and amen. God, when Jesus said it's finished, he's done every work he can do for you. He's done it completely to the best for you. <clears throat> Respond to God, his true character and thoughts towards you. They are good. He wants more for you than you want for you. God wants more for you than you want for yourself. And in 2018, guys, I want you to raise your level of faith. I want you to challenge yourself to believe for more, to be in not an anxiety and a fearful state, but to be in a restful state of trust, 
but to press in and believe for the things that are coming against you and in your life. And God will bring those during the fast. God's going to bring things to your life that he wants to change. Things that he wants to remove. Thoughts that he wants you to change and morph into the correct way of thinking. Traditions of thinking that you've always thought were true that aren't true. God will free you up even in this 21-day fast and throughout 2018 if you'll give him the chance. But you have to surrender your heart to that and believe God and put these principles into work. This isn't something that we're just doing on a Sunday and we forget. I want you to put these in your Bibles. I want you to think about them and go through the verses yourself and read them through. And if you can't believe them, you're not there yet. You've got to read these and be thoroughly convinced that, yes, this is what the Word of God says. If you're not there, get there. You'll get there by spending time with God, getting into His Word, memorizing Scripture. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for all you've done for us. It's a lot of times overwhelming, God, for how much you've done for us, how much you've provided. And Lord, not only did you do the greatest thing in the world by sending Jesus to die for us and giving us eternal life and freedom from sin and its consequences, but God, you've given us that and so much more. I mean, you're so complete, God. You didn't leave anything out. You're not like us, God. You didn't forget to pack something. God, you remembered it all because you knew all we would need. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Christ, that's your first step. If you want to be a person of faith and walk in faith, you've got to surrender your life to Christ. You've got to put faith in the finished work of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the only way. There is no other way to the Father except through him. And if you want to be born again, if you want to experience this life that God has for you, you have to trust him. You have to surrender your life and believe in the one who died for you. And if that's you this morning, with no one looking around, that's you this morning, you say, Pastor Doug, I've never put my faith in Jesus. I've never decided to say, you know what, God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me, and I accept his work on the cross for me. I surrender, I repent, I turn away from my sin, and I want to follow you. If you've never done that before, and you say, Pastor Doug, I want to do that this morning, would you raise your hand up? I want to pray with you after service and talk with you. Just want to know if there's anyone here that the Holy Spirit's saying, that's me, that's you. I want your heart to be changed. I want to ask Jesus into my life for the very first time. Is there anyone here this morning that would say that? I'm looking around just a few minutes. The Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart, pulling you. That's you. I want you to raise your hand. And raising your hand is just a declaration of faith. It's just saying, yep, I believe God's real. He sent Jesus. Is that you this morning? Anybody here? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, help us to walk in 2018 in faith. Help us to trust you. Lord, help us to reach out and touch you. Help us to look to the higher realm. Help us to focus on you, God. We love you. We want more of you. We want to live a different, higher life than we did last year. And in that higher life, God, we know that that means even loving and serving people more this year. A walk of faith is really about being Jesus to this world. So God, we ask for your help. Challenge our ways of thinking. Help us to see you right. Help us to know your character. 
And we thank you for all that you teach us through your awesome word. And we pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you guys. Happy New Year.